welcome to Love Games. We're here to shine new light on the games you love in the love in your games. I'm Lucy Morris. And I'm Lauren Clinic. And we have 500 followers on Twitter. What? No way. What? That's, that's so crazy. Thank you so much for following us and just sharing your thoughts on the various things that we're posting. It's really awesome and we're glad to have you along for this ride. No pun intended. <laughs> we like to think we're very good at gifts and we really do have a great time interacting with our Twitter audience over there. So yeah, please give us a follow on at LoveGamesCast on Twitter if you'd like to hang out and scream and send us gifts. We do like screaming, don't we? <laughs> we sure do. And there's so much <laughs> screaming ahead on this episode, Lucy. But before we get into it, I just wanted to share a reminder on the book giveaway. <laughs> So we're currently holding a giveaway for the Digital Love academic book that we covered on the last episode. So to enter the book giveaway, just hop on over to Twitter and give a signal boost to your favorite episode so far and just tweet with the hashtag hash lovegamescast to go into the draw to enter a copy of Digital Love. Gosh, that's so easy. It is easy. It is easy. And it's a young community out there. We've got thousands of listens, but the community is still young. So you're in with a really good chance. It could be you. Who knows? And in Romance Game News, I just discovered today, even though it's been running for almost a month already, sorry, uh, Yowie Game Jam is running until August the 1st. And this is hosted by Zero4 and co-hosted by Eddie Rosa and Leiska. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, so it's a two-month-long game jam dedicated to making games, visual novels in particular, featuring male-identified characters and queer relationships. So traditionally, the term yaoi, also known as boys' love, refers to female-oriented works from Japan, or works inspired by those works that feature two or more male characters in a romantic relationship. However, this game jam is open to stories about all kinds of relationships between queer-identified men, from platonic to romantic and everything in between. And this is also inspired by Yuri Game Jam as well, which is about female-identified characters and queer relationships. So, hey, if that inspires you, head over to their jam page. It's on itch.io. Um, I think on Twitter, they're at Yaoi Jam. And we'll also do a little bit of a shout-out roundup to this jam as well, because I think it's really cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to come out of it. That sounds fantastic. And I'm really happy about the steps with their language that they've taken to make it more accessible and more broad than what is typically seen as yaoi media as well. Because some of that can be really reductive and really, really tropey. So yeah, I'm really glad about the changes that they've made or how they've chosen to broaden that. Mm -hmm. Really good to see. Excellent. So a reminder on the format for our general shows. Each week we talk about a game and we examine in detail how they've handled love, romance or sexuality in that game. On special episodes we have interviews with guests from the industry and in the majority of episodes we will field questions from listeners at the end of the show. And boy howdy, do we have a whole lot of questions from listeners for this show um, because of the extremely exciting game subject matter that we're discussing. But before we do that, we also like to just take a moment and uh, have a little, a little bit of a romantic pause to think about the candles that Lucy and I like to surround ourselves with and, and also discuss the drinks we have. So how are you pampering yourself tonight, Lucy? So for me, the lights are off, so that's something. Um, but tonight I am not partaking in the vino. I have a freshly made cup of Earl Grey tea, which is my go-to when it's 
what, like six degrees outside. Celsius, not Fahrenheit. We're not about to die. Um, and my candle was actually a gift from my partner, Elliot, and it says on it, I don't know what, what flavor, flavor, smell the candle is, but it just says, K, definition. I don't have time to deal with your bullshit. And it's pretty much the best present you could ever buy someone else is a nice smelling thing that doesn't want to deal with anyone's bullshit. So thank you. Something beautiful with sass, just like us, Lucy. (laughs) Yeah. And what about you, Lauren? How are you set up for tonight's bumper episode? Excellent. So I have a homemade lavender essential oil candle here, which turned out a a much brighter shade of purple than I was expecting, but (laughs) it's burning quite nicely. And a glass of Pinot Noir from the the Cobb & Co. uh, winery as well. Uh, I remember that we had a bit of a um, contentious discussion about whether (laughs) white wine or red wine is better, so... (laughs) We sure Interesting. did. And the listeners were split, you know, they, <laughs> they, were. they really were. So I think they, they were split for a while, but in the end, I think it went over to red wine, so I'm deeply disappointed. <laughs> My agents have activated. Fantastic. Well, talking about contentious, Lucy, let's not leave people in suspense, even though they probably know because of the episode title, but <laughs> if you're just listening, we're going to reveal the game of the week. We are going to blow your mind with this episode. (laughs) So this week we're going to talk about Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah! (laughs) I I enjoyed the air horns last episode. That was very good. Thank you. I'll put some more in here. So Lucy, this is one of our most requested games that people have brought up. It sure is. And... I mean, I think we held off doing it for a little while because it seemed like a really low-hanging fruit because Lauren and I really like this game and it just seems so easy for us to rant about it that we kind of wanted to hold off for like at least eight episodes. (laughs) Yes, the depths of our passion for this and for the IP in general know no bounds. But Dragon Age Inquisition, it's a really, really large game itself. So for this episode, we're going to talk about the core game itself, There is, of course, three story DLC, Jaws of Hakon, The Descent, and Trespasser. We're not going to be going into details for the DLC. We're going to try our best to isolate the hot takes to the base game because there's so much meat in that DLC. We'd really like to do a standalone episode, hopefully with someone from Bioware or someone who worked on um, this IP, just to have a chat with them about it in particular. So just Dragon Age Inquisition. So, you can get Dragon Age Inquisition. So, it was released in 2014, so it is well, four years old now. Um, it's the third installment in the Dragon Age series, so it's following on from Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2. So, you can currently grab this game on uh, Origin, I think, for pretty much every platform apart from Mac. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. Mac users. Uh, you can get it for 20 US dollars, which is, to be honest, a steal for a Game of the Year edition for a game that I think I've easily sunk 140 hours into. So if you haven't played it yet, there's not really much excuse not to play it if it's that cheap. You gotta do it. It's so worth it. There's so much there. So the synopsis of the game is a cataclysmic event plunges the land of Thetis into turmoil. Dragons darken the sky, casting a shadow over lands on the brink of chaos. Mages break into all-out war against the oppressive Templars. Nations rise against one another. It falls to you and your allies to restore order as you lead the Inquisition and hunt down the agents of chaos. Mm, That's a nice violin. Explore, (laughs) lead, and battle. Tough choices define your experience, and even one decision can change the course of what's to come. 
I really enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah. when players jump into Dragon Age Inquisition, you become the Inquisitor. So no matter what your background is, no matter your race, you have some kind of an ability to close rifts. So based on this sudden awoken power, you become a really, really important person that can inform political decisions and organization forms around you. And you become a, just a really important figure in the current history of the time, which is a really it's a really interesting setup for basically the hero's journey. Right. Yeah, you become a really important Hecan leader. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of people under your command and some really difficult decisions to make in this game. And a lot of the interesting narrative comes from like the kind of turmoil over making these decisions and the effects of your actions. So it's pretty great. Absolutely. I really liked Dragon Age Inquisition because the position of you as the Inquisitor made the, the reason for you to be the hero and the reason for you to be the boss a whole lot more clearly political and clearly a community position. Whereas being the, the warden in the first Dragon Age game or being Hawk in the second game, you still kind of felt like a little bit of a, a rebel leader, maybe. Or mm. or especially in the first, the first Dragon Age game, you felt a lot more like an NPC with a cool gang of friends. <laughs> so the Inquisitor and the position of that and the way an organization builds around you and you kind of get to set your own corporate culture almost was mm. really one of the things that made it very compelling for me. Yeah, it's all very official, and there are so many ways you can customize that experience. Like, you can decide which advisor you're going to listen to on the war table, and you can decide how you're going to decorate your throne room, and mm. just from really small minutiae to, like, overarching large decisions about, like, personnel and and logistics and tactics and all that sort of stuff it's, it's really detailed and the experience is just quite overwhelming in a good way it's there's some real life or death choices there as well but for all the political machinations aside lucy why are we talking about dragon age inquisition on love games <laughs> well it has a hefty share of romance content so that's probably the first reason we're talking about it Second reason, a lot of you have asked us to talk about this on the podcast, mm -hmm. so we're going to listen to you and we're going to talk about it. And like we discussed earlier, there's going to be more than one episode because we're going to discuss the DLC in a different episode. So you're going to get more and more Dragon Age Inquisition content, <laughs> it looks like. And the third reason is that we both really enjoyed this game and the romances in it. And not even just the romances, um, it touches upon some really interesting uh, issues to do with sexuality and gender and romance. And it's not a perfect game, but I think that it did really well kind of guiding these topics into the mainstream. That's exactly it. And Bioware, the developer, continues to be a real influencer and tastemaker and an organization that just has a reputation for exploring love and romance and sexuality and relationships in their games. So whatever Bioware puts out, you know, whether it's Dragon Age Inquisition or a Mass Effect title or something else in future, you're really going to have people that care a lot about relationships in games um, getting super involved in them. So it's it doesn't surprise me whatsoever that it was really, really high in demand and yeah, we're here to, to give you what you want. There's so many characters to get through. So if we don't spend enough time on the character that you absolutely adore, you know, let us know. We want to have a conversation online with you about uh, the character that you love. 
but we're going to do our best to get through a whole lot of beautiful content. And we've had a lot of really great questions that have come through as well. So just want to thank everyone so much for getting involved. But I think, Lucy, let's give people the lay of the land. When it comes to romance <laughs> options in Dragon Age Inquisition, what can I buy? <laughs> what, what can, can I get buy? involved with? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the reason we can't talk about every romance in depth is because there are quite a lot of them. And mm-hmm. there aren't just official romances as well. There are kind of like half-baked relationships and kind of... <laughs> you know, missed opportunities and things written into the narrative as well that could be considered romance content to talk about on this podcast. Mm. So it's a huge beast for us to tackle. But for you, um, if you want to go shopping in, I don't know if we we should say shopping, because that kind of enforces (laughs) the sort of kindness coins thing. Um, But in Dragon Age Inquisition, if you are playing a female-identifying character, you can romance Cullen. Blackwall, Solace, and Sarah. So Cullen is kind of a pouty Templar who has appeared in all three games and he's an interesting character I think we're going to talk a lot more mm-hmm. about later on. Blackwall is... I don't like him at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Blackwall is uh, kind of... Spoilers, an imposter dude that pretends to be super good, but he's just a, an impish rogue, I guess. That mm. may have a redemption arc based on how you play the game. Solus is, I don't think he needs an introduction, really. He's the he's the pouty elf. Why are they all pouty? <laughs> Solus is the pouty elf that um, kind of just happens upon your party, and he's really connected to, say, the nat- uh, natural and spiritual worlds in Dragon Age, and he's very opinionated and has a lot of uh, secret stuff going on. And Sarah is a really awesome character, I think. <laughs> She's this really sassy, doesn't take any of your bullshit, elven rogue archer is she a rogue i don't know yeah she counts Um, as the rogue yeah but she's got really interesting dialogue she's super funny and she doesn't take any of your shit so that's if you're a female oriented character um for males and females um you can romance the iron bull who's this huge canary mercenary leader and his root has some really interesting stuff surrounding kink that I think we're probably going to talk about later on as oh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Josephine, who is your ambassador, and she's very wholesome. Like I've heard people describe her as like the Disney princess romance in Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> and if you're a male-identifying character, you can romance Cassandra, who is also from uh, other Dragon Age games as well. And she is kind of a... I don't know, how would you describe her? I've seen her described as like a spicy, spicy paladin. I guess she's not really mm. a paladin, but mm. she's strict on her morals, mm. but she's super strong and she's just a really cool character. She also likes dirty books, so that's, that's something. <laughs> yes, she's very and, no nonsense for sure. Yeah, and <laughs> it's awesome because she tells all these like really funny jokes with a complete deadpan. <laughs> and Dorian, who is a mage from Tevinter, and he... Oh, how do you describe Dorian? He is also very sassy, and mm. if you're a female character, he'll be very flirtatious with you, but he also goes through like a really big character arc um, with regards to how people perceive his sexuality and his, his culture, and he's a really interesting character. Um, mm. that I think we'll probably also talk about. We'll try to get to a lot of them, but I don't think between us we've romanced everyone, so we'll see how we go. I don't think we can do a deep dive on everyone. No. So there's also racial uh, requirements as well. So Cullen, Mm. you can only romance if you're elf and human. And there is also a canary option, but you cannot romance him if you're a canary. And Solace, you can only romance if you are an elf. 
Yes. Because soulless. Are... <laughs> Freaking soulless. Um, <laughs> and there are characters that you can have a flirtation with during the game, for example, like Scout Harding, um, <laughs> that you don't have a formal romance arc with, but I think if you're a male character, you can flirt with Scout Harding. I'm not mm. sure if she's flirt withable for male and female. I'm pretty yeah. sure you can flirt with Cole as well. But he doesn't really understand it. Yeah, yeah. So there are some <laughs> other characters that, that aren't romance options as well. So we have um, Vivienne, who's also a mage character, who's not romanceable, but she's a really great, compelling character. Leliana, who will be familiar from the first couple of games, uh, who is important in your organization, but not romanceable. Cole, who is not romanceable, and we might talk a little bit in, spe- in specifics about Cole. Varric, who's also from the first and second games, um, who, much to the pain and suffering of many fans, is still not <laughs> romanceable. Uh, as well as Morrigan, that's another returning character. So Dragon Age games have always have a rich collection of NPCs that are very compelling, but you sort of have an inner sanctum of staff members or people in your organization who are important, and then you have your own sort of inner circle of characters that are actually selectable, can go out on battles with you, um, and that are also romanceable that we've covered. Yeah, I think it's kind of a good thing before I get crucified that you can't <laughs> romance Varric as much. I love Varric, like, don't get Ooh. me wrong, but I think romancing Ooh. him might ruin the illusion a little <laughs> uh, bit because he's such a. I don't know, he's such a character. <laughs> Do you think him his own self identity would be ruined by you dating him, Lucy? I, I don't know. I don't think it'd be ruined, but I think there's a certain side to Varric that you can only see as a friend rather than a, than a love interest, I guess. And I think that him and his, um, his, doesn't he have a romance with Bianca, the dwarf? Well, I think it's implied that there was a, there was a woman called Bianca that he loved, uh, in the past Mm. previously. And that's why he's called his primary weapon, Bianca, the crossbow after her and why that's really important as well. And that Varric is a a writer of the erotic novels that I believe Cassandra (laughs) reads, which I think is a great character interplay between the two. Um, I do really want a dwarven romance um, available in the future, for sure. Uh, I know that Lauren Scanlon in particular was like, why can't I romance Varric in the feedback when we were (laughs) talking about this episode? Um, I agree that we've kind of gone so long without a Varric romance. I don't want one added, but Mm. I definitely do want dwarven romances in future. Yeah, I think the dwarves on the whole have just been kind of overlooked in Dragon Age, which is kind of sad because they've established so much lore surrounding them and so much character, Mm. and I would be really excited to play a dwarven romance, I think. But tell me what kind of a character and what kind of romance you experience, Lucy. I know you experience many, but, you know, where (laughs) where shall we begin? Yeah, so I think I've done two full playthroughs of this game, and mm-hmm. that's easily, like I said, about 140 hours, <laughs> because I don't like leaving the map table like open. I like doing mm. every little quest and mm. you know tying up all the loose ends and everything. So my first playthrough, and I think that we did kind of opposite playthroughs, so this will be really good for the podcast. Ooh, I like it. I, I tried to do opposite playthroughs and I played as well, but in my first playthrough I played as a human warrior because in every adventure action game I play I want to go in and smash things with a big stick and that's what I want to <laughs> do. And I romanced Cullen 
and I sided with the Templars. I, what? I know. I actually don't <laughs> like siding with the mages because I think they get away with some really like heinous shit. Ooh. And um, I think it, that was set in stone for me when I was playing Dragon Age 2 and all these blood mages were like resurrecting mm. people and doing blood magic and resurrecting like people's dead <laughs> mums and stuff. And I'm like, okay, no more. You need, you need the Templars. Let's just summarize um, this mage and Templar <laughs> conflict because there might be some people that aren't super aware or even just a refresher <laughs> about why Lucy is saying something that's just going to be making listeners scream right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so... One of the big um, choices that people make in the Dragon Age games is either you're someone who is siding with the Templars or you're someone who's siding with the Mages. And it's a really contentious thing to discuss. Basically, the Templars are there to keep checks on the mages and make sure that they don't go off and like resurrect people's dead mums and uh, they also have some kind of shitty practices as well where they keep people in a circle and they make them tranquil and I'm not saying the Templars are perfect because a lot of the Templars <laughs> are also really shitty uh, basically you're, you're taking a bite from either ship pie really but a lot of people do like siding with the mages because I think they're quite scrappy and they're seen as an underdog because they're not the ones that have the sort of power the Templars do because the Templars can take away the magic from the mages and yeah I don't know I think I um I started with the mages in the first two games but on the third game I was just like I've seen too much shit like it's Templar time I'm sorry that's amazing <laughs> Lucy the Templar apologist <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry I feel like I'm gonna get a ton of hate mail for this but <laughs> you, you shouldn't though because I completely understand it it's like control versus chaos like mm. I yeah like the the mages and the mage versus Templar tension is something that I find really compelling about Dragon Age because magic is not all good magic is super dangerous Templars are a system to control them and there are practices that you know that are that are really really cruel and controlling but without it mages are killing entire families and setting demons loose and doing all kinds of things so you know, I can understand both sides. I tend to play mages in the Dragon Age games, so it is very hard to play a pro circle <laughs> mage. <laughs> like, very difficult. So with your romances, you romance Cullen. Yeah. And who did you romance in your second playthrough? So in my second playthrough, I romanced the Iron Bull. I went along the dialogue path of Blackwall, but then I, like, accidentally <laughs> got into his romance, and I'm like, no, 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 get me out, get me out. <laughs> How did this happen? I didn't want this to happen. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I had to go turn him down. I don't think he's a terrible character, but he is most certainly not my type in capital letters. <laughs> but, yeah, I romance the Iron Bull. I, I flirted with Sarah a little bit, and, like, and no matter what, because I'm playing an elf in my second playthrough, no matter how I play, Solace always hates me. So I don't know... <laughs> how I can romance him but I know a lot of people really love him so I think Solus is, is quite difficult to romance and he's quite a difficult person which we'll definitely get into <laughs> did you change your gender and class uh, for the second playthrough? I did not so mm -hmm. oh wait no I played as an elven mage in my second playthrough and a human warrior in my first playthrough nice. but they were both females but what about your first playthrough? how did, how did nice. yours go? yeah so I was so excited that they added the option to play as Kunari uh, mm. in Dragon Age Inquisition. So Kunari are large and dark-skinned and have gigantic horns. Their culture is driven by extremely controlling kind of religion or belief that everyone has their place and everyone has their station. And it's like, I don't know, like extreme communism kind of a system. <laughs> like they have a very extreme cultish um, living system. And the Kunari as a race sometimes send out 
bandits or raiders or secret agents or, you know, the, the actual culture of the Kunari itself is very, very interesting. When you play mm. as a Kunari in Inquisition, it's basically, it's basically given that you are like a, um, I can't remember the, the name in the tongue and that would be so nerdy of me to actually remember <laughs> it, but, um, Ben Hasrath. Shit, I remembered it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So you're kind of Ben Hasrath, which is like, you know, you're, uh, you're like a wandering vagabond kind of a thing. Mm. Um, so I played as a Kunari rogue. Um, I play as mage a lot, but I was like, okay, I'm going to play a rogue this time, which was super fun. Death sword, assassin, you know, storm of blades type of thing, which was really good fun. Uh, and I romanced Dorian as a as a male rogue Kunari. And then in my second playthrough, I played as a female elven mage and romanced Josephine for the second playthrough. Which was really thoroughly lovely. But I have gone and experienced a lot of the romance content by watching a lot of Let's Plays. It's really good fun to go and watch just all of the romance content uh, for the other characters once you've played the game through yourself if you don't feel like experiencing it all again. And the game is quite long, so that's very understandable. But hey, we've actually got quite a good spread between us. Mm. We don't have any overlap, so that works really well. (laughs) Good job, everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. So I would say that the simplest way for me to start in terms of conversations uh, with relationships would be Josephine. So she's not a playable companion character. She is your ambassador and your diplomat for the team. And as you described her as the Disney princess, her romance is definitely that. She's <laughs> she's intelligent and she's wholesome and she's supportive and she's really beautiful and has a lovely accent. And it's just a really nice very very straightforward relationship and definitely very worthwhile and I really appreciated that she was a canonically bisexual love interest as well so you know she's she's not complex I don't have too many burning big opinions but she's just wholesome and really likable and uh, a really good romance that still managed to feel important and uh and remarkable even though she wasn't a companion character because if you have a companion character that goes out with you on missions, you get a lot extra banter with them and a lot more of an opportunity to form a relationship. So it's uh, kudos to the narrative designers and the writers that I did really care about Josephine, even though she wasn't, you know, my co-worker, so to speak. Yeah. And how about Dorian? Did that differ a lot from Josephine's romance? Dorian is a romance that made me cry. Like Dorian is a big times feeling romance. Um, Mm. So he's really one of the very, very popular romances. Lucy's put together and posted some stats from some, (laughs) what do you call it? Questionnaires that happened in the, the subreddit about the gender identity of players versus the gender identity that they played in the game. And then who they romance, which I want to talk about in particular, which is really good. But overall, when I talk about Dragon Age Inquisition, most people scream, Dorian, Dorian. And for a male character, Dorian is is a male-only romance. And he's very explicitly a character that has struggled with coming out, has struggled with acceptance. As a mage in Tevinta, his own family tried to perform blood magic on him to change him so that he wouldn't be gay anymore, which is, you know, a conversion therapy metaphor. And super upsetting. The voice actor just does a fantastic job with his performance. But he's a very beloved character because, as you said, Lucy, he loves to flirt with a female Inquisitor. Like, Mm -hmm. you flirt with him and he approves. So you think, great, I'm going to date him. And it's like, oh, sorry, he prefers the company of men. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> which I know frustrated people, but Dorian is a fantastically written, very compelling, charming, witty, wonderfully acted character, and mm. I definitely recommend romancing him, especially if a queer romance might not be something you've experienced before. It's great. And you see his butt. Yeah. His butt is wonderful. <laughs> I think, actually, you mentioned uh, that he flirts with the female characters. It's quite interesting, people getting turned down by Dorian, mm. and there's actually an option for you to go to him after he confronts his dad and has this whole, like, shitty encounter with him where his dad wants his forgiveness and, you know, his dad's done this horrible thing mm. to him by trying to change his sexuality by using blood magic that you can go to him and go to Dorian and say hey you led me on by flirting with me (laughs) and yeah it's it's quite interesting because Dorian's Mm. just like hey you know I think women are really great and you Mm. know if you don't like it I will stop flirting with you that's no problem I'm sorry if that offended you and I thought it was (laughs) he was way more reasonable than he needed to be I think and it's it's really nice and you can just say hey cool yeah I would prefer you don't do that so I know where we stand Mm. we can be friends now and Mm. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic oh I love that yeah calling out flirting when it's like either you let me know that you are interested in me or I'm going to mm. need you to stop because it's uncomfortable is really good player agency. I quite enjoy yeah, that. Exactly. That's quite good. Yeah. And I think that would stop him from, from mm. doing that in your dialogue in the future, I would hope. And that's quite cool. The flip side of that is when Cassandra as a character, if you play a female inquisitor and you hit on Cassandra and you flirt with Cassandra, she gets very flustered and gets a bit embarrassed. <laughs> But after a while, she'll actually talk to you and say, look, I respect you so much for, you know, like she says these lovely, lovely, these Mm. lovely things. And it's awkward in a very genuine way where (laughs) she is trying to find a way to turn you down, that she's not interested in you, but that she still really cares about you and respects you. And she takes it as a compliment. And that was so well handled. Mm. I mean, I was I was so devastated that I couldn't romance Cassandra um, because, you know, she's a she's a fighter, um, a warrior with with short hair and all these things that are often really queer coded. And then she she wasn't romanceable by a female playable character. And a lot of us are like, no. (laughs) And by all intents and purposes, uh, her romance is really good. And if I played again, I'd probably play a male character that could romance her because I respect her. But the way that she turns you down is so genuine and Mm. relatable. It's really good. Yeah, I do wish I could have romanced Cassandra as well, because I do love a good, strong lady, Mm -hmm. and she's got a great character. But the way that they handle these things, which are really kind of usual interactions, like these could happen to anyone in real life. And Mm. to see them in a game and see it handled so normally gives it that much more believability, I think. It's really immersive and... I think they handle a lot of these situations in a, in a really good way. Yes. I think whenever a game has the sophistication and the subtlety for a character to be able to say, hey, player, I think you're maybe giving me this signal and I'm going to respond to it instead of just I am actively responding to your signal, if that mm. makes sense. Like acknowledging the context or acknowledging or having a conversation with the player to say, Hey player, I think you might be um, giving me these signals. Do you want to talk about it instead of just give Mm. me the bang option? (laughs) Like, yeah, it's, it's another level of sophistication for two characters to be able to talk about what they want or what they don't want and mutually find an agreement instead of just player gets what they want. Yeah, it's, it's more human, and mm. I think that's why Bioware romances are so popular, because mm. they're constantly innovating on ways that they can make these interactions feel more genuine and feel more human. So for me, my romances in Dragon Age Inquisition, Cullen 
like I said, he's appeared in all three games. He's had a really huge character arc. He's this really, really wimpy, kind of annoying Templar <laughs> in Dragon Age Origins. And he's got huge crushes on mages, but he's a Templar, so there's this whole internal conflict going on. And some really messed up shit happens to him uh, at the Circle in Dragon Age Origins as well, where he gets, I think he gets effectively tortured for for a while. Um, he gets locked in like this kind of nightmare, nightmare world, nightmare prison or something. That, that happens. And then we move on to Dragon Age 2. <laughs> and you see him again as a Templar in Kirkwall, where the game is set and he appears uh, sporadically throughout the game um, kind of on the Templar's side and he's very he's very righteous and he's really genuine about his morals but he's also a very human character because he is quite flawed in a lot of ways and then in Dragon Age Inquisition he turns up again at Haven and he is the leader of your armed forces mm, and he trains mm. your armed forces for you but he's kind of come into his own in Dragon Age Inquisition. Like, I think it's really cool that they made him romanceable after the first two games. In Dragon mm. Age Origins, you, if you're playing a mage, he can actually you can actually like mess with him a little bit and like flirt with him. And he's like, oh, hmm, oh I, don't, I don't know like if we should do this or not. And then uh, he actually, I think he references that in, um, in Inquisition and in, like a voice line talking about the talking about a mage he met once. Uh, if you have so that cute. in your Dragon Age keep or something, yeah, um, cute. but yeah, he's a farm boy. He joined the Templars when he was really young, and his romance is very human. It's not super weird or like really mm. out there. It's just like quite a genuine romance. He's got a lot of baggage he's carrying from the previous games because, like, Kirkwall went to shit, the Circle mm. went to shit in the first game. Everywhere he's gone, basically, has gone to shit. <laughs> so he is carrying a lot of issues with him. He deals with some addiction issues in his mm. romance as well, and that is a really difficult part of the romance to go through because, like, how much input should you have on him? Mm. And there are some really kind of weird options you can take in that romance mm. where you can tell him that he should keep taking this harmful substance or he should stop taking it and yeah I, I didn't enjoy that book but um, his romance is very wholesome and he's mm. just a good old farm boy that just he really likes you and that's cute and I want to talk about the trespasser epilogues but I'm not going to because that's for <laughs> another episode um, something uh, like watching the Cullen romances something that I it made me think of is that poor Cullen he just gets seen as an <laughs> Alistair analogue who was a yeah. really popular romance from the first game. And it's not fair for Cullen to be the accented, embarrassed, bashful, but humorous character. Like, he's not the same trope as Alistair, who was so popular from the first game. Totally. But Cullen, you know, he's his own person. And I want people to evaluate himself on his own instead of just not as good as Alistair. Cullen doesn't have as good a sense of humor as Alistair does by any means. And he is a, t yeah, he's a totally different character. Mm. He has a lot of complexity that I think you only discover if you romance him. Mm. And he's also very supportive of you. And he's just, I don't know, he's just a nice boy in capital letters. <laughs> My other romance was the Iron Bull. So I romanced Iron Bull as a tiny elf and I thought it was hilarious because <laughs> um, he is very, very tall. He's so big. <laughs> he's so big. And the Iron Bull is this, like we mentioned, mercenary leader of this Canary troop that he ends up coming to your Inquisition and joining you, even though it's not really something he should be doing. He's a bit of a spy, but he comes clean and he's like, I want to support you. 
Uh, what's really interesting about the Iron Bull is that his route includes a lot of uh, talk about, say, kink and BDSM. Mm, mm. And you even have a scene with him where he discusses safe words or he calls them watchwords. And they have this whole discussion about, like, hey, everybody in the party, what do you think their safe words would be? <laughs> and that, it's, <laughs> it's discussed in a really human way. And mm. it's a really interesting introduction to, like, putting kink into, like, mainstream gaming because it seems yes. so normal. There's a really funny scene in Iron Bull's romance where like he's just lying totally naked in a room and then like all of the advisors walk in and like see him and Cullen's like oh my god <laughs> 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 what's happening he's like little vanilla boy it's great and Josephine is like just staring at his dick it's amazing it's so good it's such a good scene oh. uh, but his his romance is really heartwarming he's really supportive he's really caring he's into bdsm he's also really interested in like your well-being mm. and i think it was it's just really cute because he's so he's so large and warm <laughs> and fluffy and his voice actor is just it's like honey being poured over rocks it's great <laughs> honey being poured <laughs> over rocks I don't know. <laughs> so romantic phrasing i mean the voice actor is freddie prince jr who, by all intents and purposes, had so much fun voicing this character mm-hmm. and loves the community so much. And I completely agree with you. I've gone back and watched a bunch of the Iron Bull's comments. The Iron Bull is canonically confirmed pan and pansexual mm. um, as well by the writers. And he's someone that you can, you know, he talks about how sex is completely fine it's a need in his culture and it doesn't have to be connected to love. So you can sleep with him and be like, yeah, that's, that's all. And he's like, cool boss, no problem. But yeah, the way that he calls you boss all the time, but then he's also, he's also very comfortable slipping into the dominant role and being clear about what he wants and saying that, you know, I'll never hurt you without your consent and all this kind of stuff that Mm. it is a really good introduction to kink and uh, yeah, just really wholesome and yeah, really, really sexy. One of the sexier romances, I think. Definitely. And I think you can tell what type of romance you're getting into because you can go to these characters when they're in Skyhold, which is your base, Mm. and you can say, hey, let's go for a kiss or something. Mm. And you get this little cutscene. It'll play the same cutscene every time you do it. Like, you can do it a million times Mm. if you want to. It's fine. But say Cullen's is like a really chaste kiss on like the the archways in the castle. <laughs> so romantic. If you, yeah, if you go kiss Iron Bull, he like meets you out the back of the pub, like slaps you on the ass, and then like, then you kiss him. <laughs> he goes away, and then you rub your butt. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. It's great. It's and great. It kind of um, just sums up the romance. Yes, and I think the first time you hit on him, he like grabs your hands and puts it above your head and shoves you against a wall kind of thing, which oh, is yeah. like, you know, is like, do you know what you're getting into kind of thing? And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. It was a very sexy romance from yes. the way they designed the cutscenes to just like his voice actor casting and the way that they wrote his dialogue. It's it's a great experience and I highly recommend it because it's both funny and heartwarming. Yes. Two thumbs up. Yeah, for me, I would say Iron Ball and Dorian are the favorite romances that I've seen or experienced through Let's Plays or playing directly. Mm. And then if you as the Inquisitor don't romance um, either of those two people, you can play the game where they get together. So Dorian <laughs> so and the Iron Ball can get together. The The ship, otherwise known as Adorable, which is really cute. <laughs> um, and that's really good. The banter that you get um, if those two get together are also great. So if you want to date one of them, awesome. If you if you don't want to date one of them, try and get them to get together because the banter is very good. It's so good. And just before we move on to questions, I do want to talk a little bit about this uh, Dragon Age subreddit survey that I found when I was trying to dig up 
information on percentages mm. on who played what uh, romance. And this is quite a binary survey, so I will put that warning out there. It is quite lame that you can mm. only um, answer it as a male or female. But some interesting things came out. So with Cassandra's romance, females playing with male inquisitors romanced her a lot less than males with male inquisitors who romanced her twice as much, which is really interesting. Wow. Josephine was also overwhelmingly romanced by males with male inquisitors, and females with male inquisitors generally didn't, uh, in comparison. Mm. Uh, With the female inquisitor romances, um, (laughs) Blackwall was romanced twice as much by males with female inquisitors than Mm -hmm. females with female inquisitors, which which blew my mind. And Cullen was romanced about four times as much (laughs) by females with female inquisitors than males with female inquisitors. It was overwhelming. It was very overwhelming. Like, look at that. Yeah. I'll link these polls to the roundup that we post at the end of the episode. Mm. In case you want to have a look, there's a lot of information about just general stats in the games as well, which might be interesting. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Questions. Hell yes. Hell yes. So we've had so many interesting questions and conversations. So something I particularly got um, today when I was talking with other people was to talk about Cole just briefly um, for Mm. ace. So asexual representation in the game. So Mm. it's kind of a limitation in that Cole as a character um, and as a companion, when you play the base game, uh, he can be considered to be um, aromantic or asexual in terms of how he doesn't understand things and how he responds to them. And then there was material in the DLC that we'll, we might talk about later that, that it kind of compromises it. So, you know, the person was saying, you know, can you talk about Cole and ace representation? The way that I would just round that out is that Bioware hasn't really done too much in the way of explicit ace or aromantic representation yet. It's definitely something that I would like to see. So going beyond a character not being romanceable, but in fact to explicitly say it's just not something that they're interested in, it's not something that they experience, or whether they can be brave enough or luxurious enough to have a romance that explicitly doesn't have sex or that the character isn't interested in sex would Mm. be really, really good. Yeah, I think it would be hard to get the consumers on board with a romanceable character that explicitly says they're not interested in in sex, but I know that it would mean a lot to people. And there isn't poly representation in the game yet either Mm. Um, and while it's not an excuse I do know why because (laughs) I have I have talked about this with it with one of the writers and it's really hard to implement mechanically it is so so hard because say if you have a conversation with one of your partners Mm. and does the other partner know about it was Mm. was their avatar present and then you've got all of these like crazy branching storylines it's really really difficult to to implement in the engine and Mm. like it's not for want of the writers to put it in, because I think they would really, really like that. But mechanically, I don't think that we've found a good solution to that yet, <laughs> which it's I hope difficult. we sort out. Yeah, because <laughs> Polly's representation is really important. Mm, so yeah. I hope we keep chipping away at that, because yes. that would be really good. It's a technical limitation, not a moral judgment, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> as much as everything else. But this beautiful treasure chest of questions and discussion points, Lucy, where should we begin? Gosh, I kind of want to start with um, Damon's fun question uh, at Demon Risu. Risu, sorry. (laughs) Uh, What's each character's favourite drink? Maybe we can just go over the ones that we romanced. Well, the one thing that I will say is I know that Solus doesn't like tea. (laughs) 
and that Maybe makes him it. a fuckhead. <laughs> if, you, if you romance him, if you romance him, he explicitly says he's drinking tea at one point, and you're like, "Oh, you're drinking tea," and he's like, "Yes, I had a bad night's sleep. I had to do something. I hate the stuff." Like he says something like that, and I was like, "Fuck you! I hate this guy." <laughs> How can an elf that is connected to nature hate tea? It's basically just like nature water. Oh my god. Yeah, so (laughs) as as somebody commented, Solus is a negging piece of shit. And, you know, (laughs) we should go all the way into it with with the Trespasser DLC conversation. But I know that Solus isn't going to like tea. Maybe he likes grass juice. I don't know. We were actually discussing before hitting record that we should put Solace negging someone over the music <laughs> interludes on this episode. <laughs> Maybe if we have enough energy, we'll edit it in. But hey, who knows? We should just go full hog with this thing. I'm sorry if you like Solace. Regardless, think think about someone sanctimonious being very, very patronizing and yammering <laughs> on to you about how your culture is inferior and ignorant. <laughs> Um, okay, Cullen, probably some like really cheap, shitty mead because he grew up on a farm. And Iron Bull, I don't know. I'm thinking something insanely strong, like 500-year-old brandy or something. Yeah, fireball whiskey, maybe. <laughs> something like real nasty and strong. Oh, yeah, that sounds mm, good. Mm. Josephine, Josie? She's definitely like a delicate champagne. Like something <laughs> really nice. Prosecco. Expensive <laughs> Prosecco. Absolutely. Oh, nice. Okay, that was a really good question. That was fun. Uh, Anna asks, I'd love to know if you think all relationship variations had the same level of design attention, or do you think there's a bias towards any particular gender or character pairings? Hmm. 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 <laughs> I mean, if you look at the romances available, um, female-only options have more than males in this game. Yep. So, like, just purely by numbers, totally. I think some romances definitely had more design attention put in it. For instance, Solus's route mm. is so closely entwined with the entire narrative of the game. Mm. I think a lot of thought went into that. And it's, mm. it needs to be really well done because it's so intrinsically linked to everything. Yeah, some of them definitely had more design attention. The ones that were romanceable, that were a companion character instead of just, for example, Josephine um, being at Skyhold and things like that they were definitely different and had to be considered differently and considered differently into the design integrated differently i don't think particular gender or character pairings had a huge bias except as lucy pointed out more options for women players but often that comes from you know there's a there's more of a fluidity for female players or female identified players to play across the gender spectrum and you see men playing um, female or feminine avatars a lot less. So, and you know, there's also an assumption that female players are going to care a lot more about the romance and want more options. So, yeah, there's there's a few things going on there. I wouldn't say hugely, but I'd say there's some small differences. Awesome. And we have a question from at Prof Jimbles, Prof underscore Jimbles. Mm. Oh, please talk about Solus. Is he hot? Is he hot because he's an ass, or is his arc ultimately destructive to the Inquisitor? I love this topic. Thanks for writing in, Professor Jimbles. <laughs> I mean, I I can't really talk about Trespasser because we said that mm. we were talking about it in a different episode. Mm. But I hated Solace until that DLC. So I mm, I don't know. He he does get hotter, I guess, when he, he when he puts <laughs> on his furry armor. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Solace is not hot whatsoever. <laughs> I think it's very cool that Solace is a romanceable bald character. I haven't mm-hmm. seen that really happen before, and that is cool. He's not hot because he's an ass. I think people that find Solus attractive find him attractive because he is a 
pained intellectual. So if you like emo intellectuals or, you know, poor little me intellectual type of characters, um, you know, maybe you'll find him attractive. Do I think he's destructive to the Inquisitor? Yes. Um, oh, I would, totally. I wouldn't engage with his romance content myself. I found it very, very annoying. Something I, I will bring up from the base game is that if you do play an elven character that wears the, uh, I forget how it's pronounced, Velaslin? Um, it's traditional Dalish um, elven face tattoos that you have, which look fucking wicked. If you have that, if, you, if you're Dalish and you have the face tattoos and you romance Solus, Solus will tell you, by the way, these tattoos that you have, you thought they were signs that were helping you worship an ancient elven god, but actually they're slave brandings where powerful, Ooh. you know, powerful elves would brand their slaves with the god that they followed. So your tattoos are actually slave markings. You and your people have this all wrong. Do you want me to get rid of them for you? Because they're shameful. Like, mm. it's it's like a real <laughs> nagging bad thing. And then it's like, if you don't want to get rid of them, he, like, doesn't understand it or thinks you're being silly. And if you take mm. it off, he's like now you are beautiful like it just made me so <laughs> mad i was like fuck you man man between that and my hatred for the mages and dragon age inquisition <laughs> i think that we probably alienated 100 percent of our audience <laughs> we probably pissed people off I'm quite sorry. a lot quite um, a lot at kate envy underscore on twitter says does fade tongue count as a question <laughs> count for what i don't know i don't even know what fade tongue is but i've got a quite a good mental picture so i guess we'll say yes and move on <laughs> just 100 um, <laughs> uh lucy at lucy crime fighter on twitter asks the relationships romantic narratives in this game really change the character arc of your inquisitor depending on who you romance which ones feel the most satisfying to our hosts in terms of character growth and narrative great question great question hmm. um how would you approach that one lucy Oh, I think I've already talked a bit about um, how Cullen grows mm. from like a wimpy, wimpy wimp mm, to mm. someone who actually commands like thousands of soldiers and handles a lot of stress and a lot of uh, personal issues really, really well. Because mm. his, both his parents died in, I think, in Dragon Age Origins mm. because uh, Lothering got like smushed or something. Yeah. So um, he is a really unlikable character in the first two games, but I think the fact that he's so popular in Inquisition and that he has resulted resolved a lot of his issues is really nice and uh, depending on how you play you can face those those issues together and I think that is that was really satisfying to me in terms of his overall character growth and also kind of the mutual support you give each other um, throughout the narrative of Inquisition because mm. he's always there for you and I really liked the the ending scene after Corypheus dies and like you know he's he's there watching you and it's just like oh. <laughs> he's proud of you <laughs> I, I know it's, it was just really wholesome and I think that's definitely mm. um, the most satisfying to me and, and my tastes mm. I think definitely the Cullen romance in terms of the angry potato that he was in the first game and like where the he angry ramen to. noodles <laughs> the angry ramen noodles because of his wavy hair oh yeah, my god yeah. <laughs> he does look a bit like Justin Timberlake it has been oh pointed god. out <laughs> but for me I would probably say in my experiences um, Dorian was really really good because with Dorian as his partner you can help him navigate things like his parents homophobia how does he feel about Tevinter how does he feel about mages how does he feel about blood magic like you can talk about a lot of personal values and 
help him make decisions about his own life trajectory or what he thinks and how he feels about certain things. So, you know, for mm. me, it was very, very satisfying uh, in terms of his own personal growth and, and his own narrative. It felt the most engaging and the most complicated and the most complex. Um, but, you know, when we talk about um, other like Dragon Age 2 and things like that, the relationships for me are the ones that have the most gravitas and tension and difficulty mm-hmm. and overcoming of dramas because you know, I'm a fixer. Like <laughs> I want to help my romance interests fix things and fix things in their life. So that's yeah. what I find really compelling. So yeah. the more sad they are, the better. <laughs> Definitely for me too. Like no relationship is, well, at least in my opinion, is just smooth sailing to, to mm. the end, I guess. Like mm. there has to be conflict. And Dragon Age is a really good setting for these kinds of conflicts because it's such a rich world. Mm. There are so many factors at play, like political, social, mm. um, racial it's really interesting to to see like where all these characters are coming from and where they're going. So yeah, I would completely agree with that. Mm. And I mean, Dragon Age is just one of those games that so many people are going to have really big time feelings about. They offer you such a range of love interests, like more different and more broad and more, uh, you know, more far reaching than other previous Bioware games. And I was just really impressed by it and I really mm-hmm. appreciated how much breadth and how much depth they offered. I mean, we haven't had time to get into conversations on the romances of, you know, every character that are there and evaluating all of them, but we will have more Dragon Age episodes in future. So, you know, please let us know the kind of inquisitor that you made and the the people that you romanced and if you do have more questions, we'll absolutely hop on and have a chat about it on Twitter, unless it's about the DLC in which we'll cover it in a future episode. I'm wondering if we should have a Twitter poll on which opinion was more contentious, that you should side with the Templars and in Inquisition, or that Solace is a nicking butt face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think those would be absolutely, absolutely spicy takes. So I would be very, very interested. Um, yeah, like Templar versus Mage conversations and Solace is an ass or Solace is interesting type conversations. You know, we could go on forever. We could. So I think that might be all we have time for because we've already blown through our time for this episode. We haven't even <laughs> noticed it. So thank you everyone for being so passionate and telling us all about your Inquisitors and your romances on Twitter. We really enjoyed reading those and hearing your thoughts on those romances. We will see you again in two weeks with a new episode and it will be an interview. I'm excited. So exciting. (laughs) Cool. So we're going to wrap it up there. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or evening, wherever you are. And it's a goodbye from the Love Games team. Bye, beans. Bye, friends.